You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. think that I can watch Axis television and all these guys like Jimmy Page and Don Henley and all these guys that have made it big and their stories are all the same because it never delivers what they really thought it would. That's what the song Hotel California is all about. The Eagles made it and they wrote the song Hotel California, life that doesn't deliver what they were expecting. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. They were stuck in it. It's a lie. When you look at the lives of the rich and famous, the rock legends, and the movie stars, you may covet their fame and their wealth. You may think that they've made it, and if only you could catch a break, you'd give anything to be in their place. Yet, as Pastor Danny points out in today's message, so many of these people we admire have had lives that were an absolute mess. If they lived to tell about it, many would admit that their success brought no real satisfaction, and they harbor many regrets. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Revelation, chapter 17, as he continues his message, Beastly Betrayal. overcome them because he's Lord of Lords and King of Kings and with him will be his called chosen and faithful followers. That would be Mawa and Ua, if you know Christ. And uh, that fastest forward to Revelation 19. We're not going to go there today, but in the very end, when Christ comes back, he's going to slay the beast and we're going to go get him <laughs> and we're going to be with him. It's going to be so cool. I'm walking around down in my neighborhood early this morning before everybody else got up. It was one of those, you know, quarter to five, boom, I'm awake. It's like, I don't want to be awake, but I'm awake. And so I got up and did a prayer walk. And I'm thinking about this passage and thinking the reality of what's actually going to happen, that I'm going to be with Jesus and the armies of heaven, and we're going to slay the beast. (laughs) It's like, as a guy, you just go, whoa, yeah. This is real stuff. I mean, it's really going to happen. Okay, I just can't wait. Sharpen your sword, man. Some of it's a little muddy. Let me just, not to get bogged down. The seven kings, some see as seven forms of Roman government. Others as seven Roman emperors. Still others see them as ancient world powers. Uh, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece are the five that have fallen The one that is now would be the Rome in John's day because Rome was ruling. And then the seventh would be Rome revived. And the eighth king is ruling over the revived Roman Empire. That's my view. I believe it's the correct, correct view. I'll get you the tape. Verse 15. Then the angel said to me, the waters you saw where the prostitute sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. Pause there. Ten-nation confederation, 
Antichrist is ruling over it during the Great Tribulation, right? The Ten Nation Confederation and the Antichrist are inspired and empowered by the dragon Satan. Okay, that clear? Prostitute, she sits on many waters. They are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. So here's the deal. The prostitute is in St. Pete, but she's also in Beijing, but she's also in Moscow and in L.A. She's everywhere. It's the spirit of the world. Now it gets really good. You'll be glad you stayed awake. Verse 16, the beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. Whoa, what are you talking about? Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't, didn't back in verse 3, I saw the woman sitting on a scarlet beast? She's riding the beast. And now the beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute? They'll bring her to ruin. They'll leave her naked. They'll eat her flesh. They'll burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to give the beast their power to rule until God's words are fulfilled. And then one last verse. This one also, a little bit of a challenge. The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. And people want to know, what city is that in this coming day? What city is it? Is it Rome? Is it literally Rome? Okay. I don't know. (laughs) Hatch? I don't know. Is it Rome? Could be. Now, let me break this to you. Let me break it gently. You better sit down. Good. I don't care. Because some people get so caught up into trying to identify things that aren't clear. Scripture interprets Scripture, and so I can go to the things that Scripture interprets, and it says this, 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 and then you put them together, and you say, I'm solid on this one. But what exact city is this? I don't know. And I don't care. Because if you get caught up in just trying to know all the minutiae stuff, you miss what the message is here. What's the message here? The message is clear in Revelation 17. Absolutely clear. Crystal clear. Here's what I put in my notes. One world government in the end ruled by the Antichrist. The world's inhabitants will marvel in Antichrist and worship him. But at some point, things take a drastic and shocking turn. Antichrist turns on the very people who have bowed to worship him. The year was 1804. Napoleon Bonaparte summoned Pope Pius VII to leave Rome and come to Paris in order to crown him Emperor of France, knowing that the one who crowns the emperor would always have a voice of power with the emperor. Pius showed up with crown in hand. But just as he was about to place the crown on Napoleon's brow, Napoleon grabbed it from Pope Pius and crowned himself. Horrified, Pope Pius immediately understood the implication. Napoleon had wrested all power from Rome. But Napoleon used anybody he could to get what he wanted. Here's the message of Revelation chapter 17. The Antichrist and his empire that dominates the world in this coming day have taken ultimate advantage of the woman And she sits on many waters and she lures people. And when hell huddles, there's only one of three plays hell calls. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. Your dream to be a rock star, your dream to be successful, your dream to have more money, your dream to have something 
that is out of the will of God, whether it has to do with the lust of an appetite and satisfying an appetite that's outside the will of God, seeing something, the lust of the eyes and saying, if I just had that, (laughs) or the pride of life, which is glory and fame and things like that in this life. And And look, here's the deal. Let me remind you of the God of this world, the God of this world. And he's called the God of this world in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 4. Satan is the God of this world. John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus said he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and the father of lies. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said he comes only to steal and kill and destroy but he's so good at what he does. And when you again take the deceptiveness of our own hearts, that we would believe the enticement when he says, yeah, if you just had her, yeah, but her is out of the will of God. Yeah, if you just had him, yeah, but him is out of the will of God. If you just had it, yeah, but is it what God wants you to have? Oh, if I just had, yeah, rock and roll, fame. Success and all the stuff, you know, I dreamed about as a kid. You know, I wanted to be, I wanted to be Don Henley. I wanted to be Don Henley. The Eagles, he's so cool. He had a fro, man. He had hair out to here. And I was like, I died. I, 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 it's wonderful. I'm singing Hotel California. And I just, I mean, that was my dream. Let me tell you how it works. Here it was <laughs> the house is empty. Larkville Circle, we moved to Newsom Drive, and my stepdad, before he was able to rent and eventually sell the house, I knew the house was empty, so it was the weekend. I thought, we need, we'd go to the house, man, and nobody would be there. So I invited some of my buddies, and one buddy invited another guy that I wasn't friends with. He's a couple of years older than me, and as far as I was concerned, he's the coolest dude in Hartsville, South Carolina. Mike was the first guy in our hometown to grow long hair. And long hair that people like me would be envious of. Mike was tall. He was thin. He'd walk by and the girls, hey, Mike, hey, Mike. You know, Mike rode a Harley. Mike had the first tattoo. I'm like, this dude that I invited to go party with us at my my old house because nobody's in there, you know. Here I am sitting in my old bedroom. I'm telling you, I'm just, look at, look at me. Look at me. Good, good. Look at me. It was glorious. It was absolutely glorious. Here I am sitting around, and Mike, he's got a big bag of weed, and I know he's got the best weed, and he pulls out, and he's rolling one of the biggest joints I've ever seen in my life, and I'm sitting there going, this is amazing. And we smoked more pot in one night than I ever remember smoking in my life in one night. I don't even know why we kept smoking it. You couldn't get any higher. But it was abundant. And so I'm like, let's smoke another one, you know, because Mike Kirkley is here. Now, I know you're looking at me and I'll get a few emails and, you know, you're glorying in your sin. I am telling you, I had a great time that night. I had an awesome time. Now, fast forward. Right after I became a Christian, I worked with Mike in the summer back home from Liberty University on a construction site. He still had the Harley. He still had the long hair. He was still tall and thin, but he looked eight to 10 years older than he really was. The last time I saw Mike was several years ago. He had grown a Fu Manchu. 
He still had the long hair. He had cool wire rim glasses. And he looked like a granny. <laughs> he looked awful. And while I still pray for Mike, I don't even know if he's still alive. God delivered me. It was a lie. Because at some point, the thing that Satan entices you with that we naturally go to anyway. Everyone, James says, is dragged away by his own evil desire. I loved smoking pot during those days. I didn't need Satan to tell me. I, I enjoyed it. But then he entices you. He said, yeah, man. That's and he entices you with these things. And it's a lie because at some point it turns on you. My best drug buddy was Randy Truitt. I had some great times with Randy. One of my favorite memories of being with Randy was we went to Columbia, South Carolina to hear Joe Walsh and his band. It was around the time, 1973, right? Right? Remember 1973, Joe Walsh, for you old people? That's when he came out with the album, The Smoker You Drink, The Player You Get. I thought, what a great name for an album. He probably made that name when he was stoned out of his mind, which he was most of the time of his life. He's been clean now for many years. He wrote a song, One Day at a Time about his sobriety. Probably still smoking weed. That was the album that had the song Rocky Mountain Way. Now I'm taking some of you back. I had a great time with Randy at the Joe Walsh concert in Columbia, South Carolina, and we got high as a kite. Last time I saw Randy, it was pitiful. Pitiful. His wife died a few years ago. They called the emergency, emergency personnel to the little trailer they lived in with their only daughter. God bless her. And because it was such a sudden thing, Randy wasn't able to get rid of the meth lab that he had in the trailer, and so he got in trouble there. Now she's dead, and he's dead. I'm not trying to be dramatic, but that's, that's my history. That's my But I had some good times. I had some good times. But here's the lie. The lie is, this is, what, this is where it's at, man. That's the lie. Now, let me, let me say this. You might be going, well, I, you know, I, never was, I never was a hippie, and I never was a drug addict. I never smoked pot and all that kind of stuff. Praise the Lord. But I know people that never did what I did and don't have my particular history, and they're just as much an addict as I was, and they are addicted to worldly fame, and that's their goal in life. It's the X factor. It's the American idolatry. It's the, if I can just make it and be a singer, I can make it and be an actor. Or, or they say, if I just get a little more money, and it's all a lie, but it's a believable lie. We believe it. Why is it, do you think, that I can watch Axis television and all these guys like Jimmy Page and Don Henley and all these guys that have made it big and their stories are all the same because it never delivers what they really thought it would. That's what the song Hotel California is all about. The Eagles made it and they wrote the song Hotel California, life that doesn't deliver what they were expecting. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. And they were stuck in it. It's a lie. But the testimonies are here and there and the Kurt Cobains that took his life and the, all the stories, and yet people are not getting it. And sometimes people in the church, they believe the lie. You really believe like I did for years? Here I am, a pastor, a pastor, and I believe the lie that I wouldn't be happy unless 
with her, with my wife, Wendy. People are going, who's her? Who are you talking about? It's my wife, (laughs) Wendy. She's right there. And I believed that I wouldn't really be happy unless I had Tammy. And I fed it. The heart is deceitfully wicked beyond cure. You believe it. Some of you are going back on Facebook and you're dreaming some fantasy dream and you're thinking, if I just had them, you know. Well, first of all, the picture they put on the Facebook, it's 20 years old. That's a lie in itself. Where are you starting with a lie? It's a lie. And I'm not going to give you anything new, but I will give you something practical as we put the landing gears down. These people are duped. And the Antichrist and his entourage one day turns on them and they see him for what he is. He's a liar and he's the father of lies. And he comes and our own natural evil desire tends to lead us. And then he comes and he speaks and he entices and he, he encourages. That's what he does. And he confirms what our deceptive hearts say. And it's a lie. I got five points. So I'll just give you two and maybe we'll pick it up next time. How do you escape? You maintain an eternal perspective. Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 7, just write them down. And in those chapters, chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar, ancient king of, king of ancient Babylon, has a dream. He's troubled. God gives Daniel the interpretation of the dream and tells him what the dream was. You looked, O king, and there was this great, enormous human statue. Had a head of gold and then all these other arms and everything. And, and what the statue represented were kingdoms. It's a prophetic statue. Nebuchadnezzar was the head of gold. Then after him, there came Greece. And after that, Medo-Persia. And after that, Rome. Daniel chapter 7, Daniel has a dream. And in Daniel's dream, Daniel sees four beasts. And what's fascinating is Daniel 2, Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the giant human statue representing kingdoms that will one day fall. Because the rock cut out, but not by human hands, that's Christ, comes and ultimately smashes the statue and sets up his kingdom worldwide. Daniel 7, Daniel has a dream and he sees four beasts. And the four beasts represent the exact same thing as the human statue. So why one and the other? One word. Perspective. Heaven looks down and says, All these guys and all the kingdoms of the world and everything they're going for and all the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, it's not going to last. It won't endure. It's going to crumble. But he who does the will of God will last forever. It's perspective. From Neb's perspective, even after Daniel speaks to him and tells him the meaning, you go to Daniel chapter 3 and what does Neb do? He builds his own statue representing himself. And he says, bow down and worship me. That's Antichrist. Perspective perspective. (laughs) Maintain an eternal perspective. Saying no now to something that's out of the will of God for your life. You do so because you know one day it's going to be worth it. Second, eternal perspective. And second, this is where Christianity lives. Resist deception with truth. The devil took Jesus He's fasted for 40 days, and it says afterward he was hungry. That's an understatement. 
He has the hunger pains coming back with a vengeance. And if he does not eat something soon, he is going to die. And at that point, Satan tempts him. Hey, you're the son of God. Tell these stones to become bread. What does Jesus do? He pulls out the sword. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then he takes him, shows him all the kingdoms of the world. Lust of the eyes. Hey, all these, you can have, man. You can have it. Just bow down and worship me. You know what Jesus does? He pulls out the sword. It is written, worship the Lord thy God. Then he takes him to the temple. Highest point in the temple. And then he quotes scripture to him. You know, God, our Satan will use scripture sometimes. He says, hey, the word says... If you cast your foot against the stone, the angels will lift you up. So, hey, jump. Do something glorious. Do something fantastic. Show who you really are. And Jesus, a third time, pulls out his sword. It is written, thou shalt not put the Lord thy God to the test. Luke's gospel is the only one that tells us what happens after that. You know what it said? This is practical. And then the devil left him until an opportune time. You pull the sword out today, guess what? He's coming back. You put the sword back, (laughs) you better be ready because he's coming back. And if he didn't get you with the lust of the flesh, he'll try the lust of the eyes. And if he doesn't get you with the lust of the eyes, he'll try the pride of life. And when hell huddles, there's only one of three plays. And that's it. Satisfying an appetite, whether it's sexual immorality whether it's gluttony, whatever it is, whatever it is. Looking at something and saying, if I had that, oh, bigger boat. Who are you talking to? (laughs) Whatever it is. And you you say, that's when I'll really be happy. And that's what life's all about. That's not what life's all about. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then he'll get you with the, ah, you can be somebody. Heaven's values are so opposite, aren't they? I mean, that's it. And I, every time I quote the word, it's just the opposite of what the world is telling me and what my deceptive heart is telling me. And usually if you just flip it, that's the way to go. And the wonderful thing is, Jesus said, if you lose your life, you'll find it. If you deny yourself and take up your cross, if you say no to the world and no to your own deceptive heart, I learned to love my wife in obedience to this book. God honored that. She'll tell you right here. I believed for years. I believed the lie that if I just had somebody else. But all all Satan's lies are like that. Whatever area it is. And it's one of three. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. And it's all lies. All lies. And you counter the lie with the truth. And if I had the time, I'd give you some of my favorites. And if we do a part two, maybe I will. Some favorite scriptures that I love to pull out when you get that thought. You know, when you have that desire and it's out of the will of God. And you just pull out it. And you do it by faith. You say, this is the truth. This is the truth. And I'm going to walk in the truth. And that's where you will find blessing. Amen. Amen.
As you continue to study the book of Revelation, you'll see destruction and death, but also the incredible future that awaits you if you're a follower of Jesus. The pictures painted of the throne room of heaven are inspiring and exciting, and you will one day get to stand where John stood. You'll meet the Lamb of God, who took away your sins. You'll rejoice with the angels and spend eternity getting to know your Creator as He always intended, in perfect love. This is something to cling to as you move through the difficulties of life. Knowing that you have a new home waiting in heaven can also be the catalyst to move you to share the good news of grace with others. They can also have a chance to live eternally with Jesus, and they might just be waiting for someone to introduce them. We hope today's message on the Living Word has been a blessing to you, and we'd like to tell you how you can access more teachings from Pastor Danny. All you need to do is visit our website, ccfstpete.church. Click on Sermons to be directed to our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way, you'll never miss a new edition of The Living Word. Are you listening in the St. Petersburg area right now? If so, we have a special invitation for you. Pastor Danny and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship would love to have you join us for our weekend services. Find out more and get directions at ccfstpete.church. Once more, that website is ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in today, and we hope you'll join us again right here on The Living Word.